So John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, here's what the Bible says. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Your version might read, I have come that they might have life and life abundant or life abundantly. We've been talking about freedom that God wants for you. And I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but you're in a battle. You're in a cosmic royal battle for your soul. And these verses actually illustrate it. It illustrates a picture of what your life is like without Jesus. There is an enemy of your soul who wants nothing good for you. He wants to harm you. He wants to hurt you. But Jesus came and gave his life so that we could have life here and now. I'm going to fill in some message notes for you there uh, on this piece of paper that looks like this. You got it when you came in. On the back, there's a handful of blanks. I'm going to fill in a couple of message notes for you. We're going to start with this simple point. For those of you who have been here for the last few weeks, it'll be just a little bit of review. The first point is, is that Jesus, Jesus is the gate. Our verse talked about the fact that Jesus would be the person at the gate. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And Pastor Will did a great job a few weeks ago of explaining how that this was in reference to that ancient Israel practice of how shepherds cared for their sheep. There would be a walled-off area, four walls. One of the walls would have a break in it. And rather than having a door there, the shepherd would lie down inside the doorway. And whenever the sheep would be put into the pen at night... They could be safe because nothing could come into the pen without passing over the sheep, and none of the sheep could go out of the pen without passing over, over the shepherd. And so this picture that was in the minds of all the hearers of Jesus takes on extra meaning when Jesus says, I want you to understand something. I'm the gate. I'm the one. I'm the one that's here to protect you. I'm like the shepherd, the good shepherd that takes care of the sheep, but that's really not the point of our thing today, the, the, the point of our message. The point of our message today is a little bit different, so let's look at point number two. Point number two for you today is that God offers a way for us to live and not just a safe place to go. At first reading of that passage, it might look like the whole point is to get with Jesus and get in the pen, and then you're safe, and that's a good point. It's partially true, but it's not the complete point being made in this passage. This gate was a place where the sheep would come and go. It was a place where they would come in at night, and then in the daytime, they would be released to go back out to pasture. They'd go out and do the stuff sheep do. They'd live sheep kind of lives. And the shepherd would be there watching over them, but at night, he'd call them back in. So they would come in, and they would go out. They'd come in and go out and find pasture. So this picture that Jesus chooses to use to tell us about him and gives us some insight to how we can live the life that God wants for us includes not just the safe harbor of being in a relationship with Jesus, but it includes doing life in such a way that the shepherd is still watching us. What you have to understand is that you have this enemy Jesus referred to, and the enemy, the enemy of your soul will try to lure you away lure you away. Now, the apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus, who was there, who heard him use the phrase, I'm the gate, I'm the door, I'll take care of you, I'm the good shepherd. The apostle Peter knows the point I'm trying to make today experientially. 
Because he had all the safe harbor that came with walking with Jesus. He got to hear Jesus talk. He got to see the miracles. He experienced the life that Jesus offered. But he knows more than anybody that there was an enemy after him. And one, in fact, one point Jesus actually says to Peter, Peter, the enemy, the devil has desired to sift your life, to sift you like wheat. That was the practice that they used to do in ancient Israel where they would gather the wheat together at harvest time and it would still be attached to the little stalks that it grew upon. And so once it had dried, the, the sifters would take the wheat with these big pitchfork-like things and throw it up into the air and begin to separate it. And the wheat would fall away the wheat germ would fall away from all the other parts of the plant as the wind would blow the, the lighter parts and the drier parts of the plant away. The wheat germ would fall back to the ground. And Jesus says to Peter, the enemy of your soul wants to sift you like that. He wants to divide you out. He wants to run you through the mill. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you. Later on, Peter writes his epistle. And he says this about the gate that Jesus talked about. He said that you and I have an enemy of our soul and that the devil is like a roaring lion, so sheep and lion, not good together. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And then he uses a powerful word picture that he's like a lion crouching at the door, crouching at the gate. So here's the image you have to have in mind. Here's this pen with the sheep in. They're coming in and coming out. That's the way life happens. You come into safe harbor. You go back out and do life. There are seasons of rest and rebound. There are times to engage. And as you're doing that, Jesus is there as the door, as the gate. But right outside the gate, right outside the pen, you and I have an enemy who's crouching. And he's waiting to pounce on you. You ever wondered why the Christian life can be a little hard? It's because you have an enemy who waits in the moments of transition in your life, who waits in the seasons of life when maybe you're not fully aware. He waits to take advantage of opportunity. His heart for you is exactly as his heart was for Peter, to sift you like wheat, to bring you pain, to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. So there's Jesus the gate. There's the enemy of your soul. And in fact, let's just read the passage. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's what he wants to do to you. But in point number two, we discover that God offers a way for us to live, not just a safe place for us to go. God offers a way for us to live, not just a safe place to go. The coming to Jesus in the beginning part of a relationship is literally that, just the beginning. Walking into safe harbor and experiencing the salvation that comes because Jesus gave his life and died on a cross, was resurrected from the tomb, that that's the, the first step. It's not the last. It's not the ultimate. It's the first step in a lifelong journey with Jesus that's going to last for eternity. That you're going to get heaven. That's the first step. Heaven's secure. 
But you're going to get an abundant life here and now that in your coming and going as you pass through the gate, Jesus is still there to protect you even though you have an enemy lurking. Someone who'll try to lure you away. Number four. So how do you win this battle? How do you win this cosmic struggle? You win the battle when you depend on God. And the benefit of being here today is you're going to hear three powerful stories of people who had to depend upon God, who learned what it was to walk with Jesus, to go in and out of the gate, to experience some difficulty, but to continue to follow him and to trust him and depend on him. And as they did, God did some profound work in their life. Some really profound things were happening inside of them. In fact, these folks are going to join me up on stage. I'll introduce them to you once they get seated. So guys, come on up. But we win the battle when we depend on God. We learn how to trust him with our lives. And I got to tell you, that can be a really difficult challenge sometimes. It can be really difficult to figure out how in the course of coming and going, going through the gate and encountering that lion. It can be really difficult sometimes to figure out how to make that happen. Learning to depend upon God is one of the marks of maturity. You're not mature like you are in the adult world when you can kind of make it on your own. We call that adulting. When you kind of make it on your own and, and you take responsibility. The spiritual life is actually quite different. The spiritual life is marked by maturity when your faith becomes that like a child and you're actually aware of your dependence upon your God. These guys up here have a remarkable story to tell. I'm going to introduce them to you. Uh, right here in this first chair is Kate Bush. Kate is married to Nate. And for the last several years, you've been involved in kids ministry. And uh, the last couple of months, we've seen you around with your camera taking some great pictures. Um, I've seen you take pictures of folks getting baptized. Just a few months ago, you took pictures of Johnny when he got baptized, right? Yeah. And uh, those pictures look so good on Facebook. I have one request. Could you make me look taller? There is, there is Photoshop for that. Is, is there? Would you do that? You're going to hear about from Kate. You're going to hear next seat, Katie Ashley. She's married to Scott. And Katie and Scott have been at our church for a few years now. And the Lord has just done some remarkable stuff uh, in your life, right? It's going to be great. And what, what team do you serve on these days? Um, I do some guest services and grading, and then I also work with the, the teenagers and Elevate. And, uh, yeah, primarily middle school, right? Sunday morning? High school. High school. Yeah. Sorry, got that wrong. All right, so she works with our high school students. And then on the end down here is uh, Johnny White, and he's married to Simone. And uh, Johnny um, has been at our church for two years, but about three months ago, um, Johnny pulled me aside on a Sunday morning and he said, hi, I'm Johnny. And I did the mistake that I make a lot of times. I, have we ever met before? And he's like, no. I said, well, how long have you been attending? Because I didn't recognize him. He said, two years. Like, oh, I feel like an idiot. I have no idea what to say now because I don't know you and I've never seen you. And he said, no, 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 I've been hiding in the shadows. But God did something in the last few months that kind of pulled you out, right? Good. We're going to talk about that story in a minute. Let's start with you, Kate. So you've been following Jesus for a while. Yeah. Um, grew up in church in and out, and then my family kind of quit going to 
the church when I was about 12. So I um, didn't really like own my faith until I was about 20. Um, and when I came to Jesus, I came to Jesus. Like it was, um, you know, no holding back and it became my whole life. Um, but, you know, I, when I got married and all the things that I had done, I was a different Kate. So um, there was a lot of change. So just through that growth um, with my family, there was a lot of uh, just growing and a lot of relying on God um, just for that strength to know that I was taking the steps, even though things didn't always, I didn't get that confirmation all the time from, um, you know, all the circumstances I was in. So um, I'm so thankful for that, though, because during those times, I really, um, I went to God, and I think that helps solidify my faith really early. Um, yeah. Just that relationship. So what happened in the last few months to kind of open up a new spiritual reality for you? I mean, God didn't change. No. You changed. I changed. So what happened? So I... I've always known, like, you know, there's an enemy and, you know, you believe lies, but I guess when I went through freedom back last fall, um, I was just in a really spiritually dry place. Like, I loved God and I felt like I was still doing all the things that I had done to know him really well before, but none of it seemed to, like, be working. I just felt this, like, distance, which was honestly me and where my mind was going with things. Um, and through freedom, I realized... You know, I'd just been believing so many lies. I'd struggled with anxiety my whole life. And, um, and I guess coming to the realization of knowing that those thoughts weren't my thoughts and those were just lies to keep me um, in a place where God wanted me to be free from. And, um, so, so you're walking with Jesus, but you have these lies. The primary tool of the enemy yeah. is lies. That's how he kills, steals, and destroys. He speaks lies over you. And these lies have found a place in you. Yeah. I mean, deep-rooted that I didn't even know were there. If someone would have asked me, are you believing this lie? I would have been like, no, I, I don't so, that. So lies like what? Like, lies about your identity? Like yeah, who I am and what my worth is and who I am as a wife and a parent and um, who I am as a child of God and am I good enough and am I doing enough? And there just wasn't any peace or any rest. It was all kind of about works and doing the right things versus just being. So to combat the lies, you found yourself, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've talked a little bit, you, yeah. you found yourself kind of on a treadmill of just doing, doing, doing. Absolutely. And it left you full of life, didn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, staffing at the kids, I'm like, where is the love of Jesus in my heart? You know what I mean? Because I just felt like everything just defeated me. I felt like, you know, and I'd had it before, so I knew that it was available, and I couldn't figure out what was happening, why I didn't have it anymore, yeah. like, because I know who God is, and I know what he does, so I'm thinking, like, well, what's hang up what's going on, you know? you know? it's pretty brave to stand up here and say um, you were a Christian, but you had these pockets of deception absolutely. that had really taken hold in you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so freedom, for those of you that don't know, um, we've been talking about it for a while, but it's this 12-week experience where the Bible, prayer, some wise counsel, and the community that comes together, that thing that happens when the followers of Jesus get together... You went through that, and God used it to really open the door for you. Absolutely. Talk about how that happened. So, well, first, just the people here, um, you know, just the safety of being able to go through something like that and knowing that other people are where you are um, was a huge comfort for me. Like, okay, this isn't just you. You know, this is a, a tactic that he uses across the board. Um, so the love of people and just it being, like, a safe place. I was actually, like, leading the group but ended up, not feeling that way at all. Like, we all just kind of um, were there together and going through that together. Wait, you, you mean you were a leader and you weren't all put together and you weren't 
Wow. No, not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's what I guess the freedom that comes from that is I used to think you have to be this perfect person. Um, you have to have it all together. Yeah. And just through, well, this church and then just through God just revealing it to me is like, none of us have it all together. We're all kind of a mess. And um, now I'm not embarrassed of my messiness. I'm not embarrassed of like, oh, well, I don't, I just flubbed that up or I didn't say that right. It's almost like, well, there goes the grace of God, you know, because he's just so good and he just meets you where you are. Yeah. And um, and just, I think about the small steps, like, like I'm scared. Like I'll be very afraid to take a step, but I feel like God's really calling me to do it. Um, but I'll feel so much fear in that. But through the past you know, years where I've seen him show up in his faithfulness, it gives me the courage because I know he's gonna meet me if it's truly him. And, um, and if it's not him, then I, then I take a step and it doesn't work. It's like, okay, well, God, I just, you're just gonna redirect me where I need to go next. But, um, so a year ago, did you see yourself sharing your testimony in front of? No, <laughs> not yeah. at all, not at all. Um, I just, I guess I'm so thankful when I look back, you know, sometimes when you're going through these growth things and I have so far to go, and I guess that's the encouragement for me is God's going to take my whole life to do that. I don't have to have it all figured out tomorrow. Um, he'll keep me here as long as he needs to to get that work done. But um, I, I look and I think there's all these steps that you take and they don't seem huge. They don't seem like big steps. Um, but then when I look back over the last years and I see God's faithfulness and had I not taken the steps that I did, even when I was afraid, like the great blessings I would be missing out on now, and it, it almost gives me such a, not a fear in a bad way, but like a healthy fear to say, you know, when God's calling you to do something, you step up and do it because look at what you would be missing out on now had you not obeyed in the past yeah. to take that step. And a couple times you mentioned how um, the folks here were part of your journey. So that, that metaphor I was trying to explain earlier that, you know, it's hot. The pieces of the pizza stay hot when they're together. Absolutely. If you want to get cool, you pull them apart. And so the enemy has this thing where he wants to pull people apart, but you, you resisted that and instead dove in. Yes, and shared sometimes when I thought, you know, oh, it's, they're church people, and what will they think if I say this, you know? Um, but in the midst of that, just the love and uh, just community. I mean, I've been on several different teams, and every, um, every part of this church is just good. It's... Um, there's such a truth, you know what I mean? I've, I've been through a different, you know, couple series of churches just visiting, like I said, um, since the time I was 20. But I think finding a church home and then being able to really dig in with the people, because you can come to church, you know, it can, you can come to church all the time, like, you know, Johnny will talk about, just to say, um, and never really grow and never really change. Yeah. But just, it's such a great place. People here are so good and so loving. Um, it's just a safe place where you can be yourself and be authentic. And it's only through that that like, God can really start to grow you. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, truth sets you free. And if you want to be free, the truth is, is one of the places you have to tell the truth is to yourself. And believe and receive the truth that God has for you. I'm so proud of your growth and you and Nate. Nate serves on our security team. Yes. Um, the volunteers that were here for our volunteer event a few um, weeks ago, Nate and his brother built that whole axe throwing uh, uh, alley for us, didn't they? So those of you who were here, if you weren't uh, here for that event, because maybe you couldn't make it and you serve, but if you don't serve, we have these amazing things we do with our volunteers from time to time, so you want to get on a team. But thank you guys for diving in and just making this church extra special. And uh, it's amazing what God does when we open up our hearts to him.
Thank yeah. you. Very you're much. you're welcome. Kate, Katie, let's talk. So you were Katie growing up. Now you're Kate, but now you're Katie. Yeah. And I'm all morning long. I've been nervous about messing this up. All right. So Katie, um, tell everybody a little bit about what God's been doing in your life lately. Um, you serve in high school with these amazing ladies. You serve on our greeting team. So talk a little about what God's been doing in your life lately. Well, I'm going to take it back a few years. Okay. Um, we didn't rehearse this. So I'm gonna Go for it. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> but it, it kind of rooted some scripture in my heart and in my life, and just it was a place that I really loved to be. Um, we stayed out of church for a couple years, and then through some serious family problems we were having, my mom and my brother and I started going back to church again. Um, through the church at that time, um, my mom recommitted her life to the Lord. I accepted the Lord as my Savior, my brother did, and then my dad recommitted his life to the Lord, and then God reunited. Wow. So, I mean, it was, we, you know, we weren't perfect at that point, but we, we started getting really committed to church, going to church um, every week, twice a week, you know, seven days during revival. I mean, we were, we were kind of all in. Um, through my early adult life, I was involved in church a lot, very deeply leading groups, um, Sunday schools and things like that. Um, and then I had kind of a Peter moment in my life where I kind of stepped completely away from God. I made some really bad choices. Um, and I, I walked away. I mean, I just walked away from church and everything that was going on in my life uh, for a couple years. And um, at that point, it was funny because I had some friends that were not good friends. I mean, I thought they were good friends to me, but they were not good friends, kind of leading me down a path that I, I was just going right behind them because That's what good. you do. Yeah, That's what you do, yeah. And we're following behind them. But when it came to them saying things about God, he rose up in my heart, and he was—he made me very strong in my faith, even even when living in a completely sinful time in my life. So, so that scripture that you learned as a kid still spoke life, even in the darkest moments of your life. Most definitely. That's crazy um, and awesome. And I mean, I still wasn't like, you know, me and Jesus hanging out. Either, but I, <laughs> but I was—I was still very passionate about it. it was very deep rooted. Um, kind of was working on my life again. Got back into church. Got back into So you've had a few in and out engagements, right? Most definitely, yeah. Um, sitting in an apartment over in Loveland, watching online services, and I'm like, I've got to get back in church. And I was driving back and forth down 75 and saw this flashing sign, and I'm like, that looks like a place I could hide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Building's kind of big, probably yeah. got a few people. Nobody yeah. will notice me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is Bubba here today? There, there he is. Yeah, we we uh, we have a nickname for uh, Bubba, Mister Four C. Is what we call him, and uh, he, most of us have experienced that welcome that he personifies here uh, in a really big way. Yeah, he, he wouldn't let us go. Knew our names. Facebook stalked us. The whole deal. Um, it's a little scary. <laughs> it was, it was, we were yeah. A little scary. Like, Who is this guy? But uh, he wouldn't let us hide. He yeah. 
through through that. I mean, just that first step that we took visiting, and that's what we plan on doing. Didn't bring the kids or anything because we didn't want to, you know, step into some weird environment with sure. kids. Sure. And uh, came in the door, and we're like, we're bringing them back. And our very first Sunday that we brought the kids, got in the car, headed out to lunch, and we're like, so what'd you think? And they were in love, mm-hmm. and they couldn't wait to come back. And we knew we had found our home. That's really amazing. And in the last few months, um, you've experienced some kind of renewal yourself. And so here, here you're already doing the right thing. You're taking some steps. You're, you know, owning your faith. You're relying on Jesus. What's God do for you? Well, uh, my husband's idea was to sign up for this freedom class. Um, and uh, I was like, I don't, I don't really need freedom because I'm good. Um, uh, right. Um, but uh, we started going through the class and Lo and behold, the devil starts attacking again. Mm. And I, I'm sitting in this class, um, listening and reading and you know, praying our way through this, this book. And God keeps saying, no, you're free. No, you don't have fear. No, you're not you know, perfect, but you're good enough because I made you good enough. And I just kept you know, rehashing all those things that I've learned over the years and said, no, I'm not, I'm not owning the things are dead, that things aren't moving forward, that I don't have a future, that all this, and I mean, it just, it just brought up so much. It's amazing how powerful those lies can be. I mean, yeah. they just keep speaking. Uh, you're not enough. You and Christ are not enough. So when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we tell ourselves when we believe the lie. That's just not, that may be true for him. It's not true for me, right? And so you're, ha- you're, you're growing, but you're in this struggle. here in the church, but here in scripture, here in praise in my car, yeah. you know, and I just, just kept going back to it, even though sometimes it's really easy to feel hopeless. Mm. I mean, you just don't see the light at the end of the You get overwhelmed with the stuff going on in life. Right. Yeah. Um, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned um, that God had done a pretty remarkable thing in an area of life nobody really likes to talk about. Nobody likes to talk about money, right. but God did a pretty remarkable thing in your life with money. Yeah. Talk um, about that for a second. Sure. You had, uh, you had started a message series, and this has been quite a while ago, but um, you were talking about how giving, it, it's, a, it's a process. Um, sometimes we start out by kind of offering a tip every once in a while. If your pastor does a decent job, we drop a dollar in the bucket. So, lately, I haven't been doing too well. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you start off like that, and God really started working in my heart saying, just give $10. Just commit to give and I, I had kind of done that for a while, and he said, how about a little bit more? And, and the thing about it is, is I was really fearful, because I'm, I'm a giving person, I'm a gracious person, but I don't give gifts. You're a saver, is what I'm you said saver. to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm a saver. Um, my mom used to joke that I could make $10 last for 10 years. Um, I just, I didn't spend it. Um, I'm always very frugal. Um, and I was like that because we did without a lot. There was money, money times, many times with money, that it was either buy gas or groceries, or maybe buy $5 worth of gra- gas and $5 worth of groceries just to make it. Um, and then there was a couple times even when I bought groceries knowing that it wouldn't clear the bank because I had no other choice. But God's just kind of opened up. He's shown me a lot of favor at my work, um, given me opportunities that I never thought would be available to me because I'm, I'm not you know, a fantastic person. I didn't finish college or anything, and God's just opened up doors 
blessed our family financially. The more I've given, the less I've noticed it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's the incredibly free thing to just be able to give it away knowing that I'm not going to have to worry about it. I'm not going to have to stress so, it. So even that fear that comes from, you know, will I have enough? Yeah. Um, you were able to press in. So God's just done some amazing, amazing stuff in your life. Couldn't be happier that you and your husband are here. A few months ago, he got baptized. You guys got married here. Yeah. It's pretty spectacular. There's an amazing photo of you guys and um, standing in front of the sign on the, the day of your, your marriage. Yeah, I'm just blown away by what God's done in your life and really thrilled to be a part of it. I'm going to push back on one thing you said. You said that you're not this fantastic person or anything. Um, it, you're pretty fantastic. Uh, and the Lord working through you has done some amazing things. And you serve our students in a way that gives life to them and uh, couldn't be prouder to have you be a part of our church and part of our team. So thanks for, uh, for growing and getting it. Uh, it really means a lot to me. Uh, Johnny, uh, good to meet you finally after two years, man. What, how, how, how did that, how did you pull that off? Very easily. You just walked in and out really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, didn't, I didn't really grow up in a, a house where I went to church often and went through the routine of that. Um, and I, I definitely... Uh, Relate to some of that. I wavered in and out, mm -hmm. you know, in times where we're going, all right, college is starting going because it's the good thing to do. And then when I got. And there are girls there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. So, and then, uh, then I, you know, I got married. And then we, uh, then at a few times we started going to, uh, going to church. We moved, I, I shared with you, I moved a lot of times, I think nine times in 13 years. And, uh, two kids along the way, and we, all right, let's, let's try. Let's, let's go get into the church. And uh, and then it just always kind of just one time, then not. And then we came, we moved to uh, Ohio probably in 2016, so we've been here for a few years. And it was New Year's resolution, right? Um, so um, I, I think we should go to church because it's good for the kids, right? The kids need it. <laughs> we don't, but the kids do. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so we, we did that, and then I, I relate to the story right afterwards. We, we went over to Pop Belly and threw 20 bucks in the bin for tithing and said, no, I'm going to spend more on lunch than I did probably donating. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Should we go back again? Um, and then we went back again, and we it's the rules versus the relationship, right? I felt like we always needed to go. Like we, This is part of our process on Sunday. In order for me to say that I'm going to be a Christian and go through your Christian, I have to go on Sunday. Right? And, and uh, um, for me, I always thought, well, I'm just going to become a good Christian, um, and I am, because I've been going for a year and a half now, two, almost two years, through osmosis. I'm just, everything's just going to, I'm going to learn. And uh, I, had, I had a really great um, intervention from one of my, uh, one of my old co-workers. Through this time, I, I left one of my companies I was with for 13 years and made a new career decision. And uh, he really challenged me to push me a little bit harder, um, and uh, you know, asked me the question: If you uh, if you die today, do you believe that you go to uh, heaven? Like pause. He goes. So that answer is no. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so. So so he knew you enough to kind of press in on some yeah. stuff. This is happening at work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating, uh, this next part of your story. Go ahead. Yeah, you can tell. so then the next time I said, we need to meet again. So we, we met again at the Waffle House over by Mason Montgomery um, and just right into it, just started challenging me, asking questions back and forth, being very open. Um, and it, it hit me like just a ton of bricks. Like, what am, I'm not becoming a strong Christian through just 
being here for the rest of my life and learning about it. I'm doing it by accepting the Lord as my, uh, you know, accepting the Lord as my Lord and Savior, and forgive and die for my sins. And that's what it's about: taking that first big step of have that faith and belief. Um, and I still wasn't ready to like say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to go back home and think about that. And then he just stopped me right there. Um, said, "What's what's holding you back?" He's a salesman, a good one too. Um, <laughs> he he said, "What is holding you back from accepting uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now?" Nothing. So right there, I gave my life over to the Lord, put his hand on my shoulder, said a prayer, um, then went through the steps of baptism. And I'll tell you what, I remember that very next weekend where we were actually going to miss service because we had some family coming into town, and the conversation at home was, "Are you okay with that?" And I said, "Yeah, I absolutely are." Because for me, the epiphany happened that it's not about the rules anymore, that I had to go to church on Sunday with it. I had some great family moments coming in. I still believe in Christ, and that's not going to change because I had to miss church that Sunday. Yeah. It's pretty incredible when you change from the rules to the relationship, the, the freedom, the joy. Because yeah. you can, so you, you give your life to Jesus at work, and then you come to church on Sunday, grab me in the lobby, we meet, and you're like, I just became a Christian, yeah. and I want to get baptized. So I want to tell you something, this is the easiest conversion I've ever had in my life right there. I ain't going to lie. It's the easiest work I've ever done. It's pretty, pretty amazing. And then I got the joy of just a few weeks later baptizing you and um, celebrating with you. And then I got to meet those guys that had had those conversations with you. Wow, what a privilege to meet people who are just being honest to goodness Christians every day in their life. What's, uh, what do you see God doing in your life in the last uh, little bit of time? Yeah, so I, I would say it's been more present, right? Um, it's been present in our life. Um, in the conversation at home, there was something that you, you said a message a while ago about you know, the, the husband, be, um, the father being the leader of the home. Uh, there's always that 49, 51, but some, you know, you, you got to be that strong leader in the home. And we, uh, I challenge myself that that's, that's how I have, to, um, I have to be a strong role model and leader for my family, wife, and kids. And it's like the conversation about faith in, and um, Jesus is, is not, it's not like, oh, let's just not talk about it, right? So I don't want to, I don't really know the Bible inside now. We, we just, I don't want to say it, it's just more present now. Yeah. Right, um, and it's not a fearful conversation, um, and we know that we're growing. Right, we're not. Uh, it's the acceptance of that. I don't know all the answers. The leader, you know, when I, and I was afraid to even start my first small group uh, because I'm sitting here going, one, how long is the commitment? Mike, remember me asking you. <laughs> uh, and, and then, like, you know, I'm going to be there almost as everybody here knows everything. And they're going to figure me out as a fraud. Um, but you get over that part, and you start growing when you feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And, and we're having those uncomfortable conversations at the house. We're having the uncomfortable conversations at my Friday Bible study. And that's where I know that being in the Word, prayer, worship, and church, that I'm going to grow. Yeah. So there's some themes you've heard here. You've heard people uh, stepping into a relationship with Jesus working through the challenges of being a disciple in a world where there's an enemy crouching at the door, right? I mean, you're coming in and going out, and there's, he's right there. But they each keep taking their steps. They haven't given up. They're moving from this idea of a, I have to to I get to. I heard that. I have, from I have to to I get to do this. But the other thing that's really cool for me as a, as, as a pastor is in each of you, in your own way you said it, there is this sense that God is stirring in you so that you can do something powerful and significant in his kingdom. 
So Johnny, you talked minimally about just being a role model to your family, dude. What an amazing call. What an amazing call. It's true for every woman and man, but what an amazing call for to have a man in our culture stand up and go, I want to be the kind of man that my kids can look up to, that we can have conversations of importance in the home. And uh, man, I couldn't be prouder of you. Um, and I'm telling you, that's the kind of stuff, when you pray on that, God honors that prayer, man. He already wants to answer that prayer. He already has a big yes over that desire in your heart. In fact, it's he, he's the one that gave it to you. And I'm telling you, the next few years are going to be spectacular for you guys. And uh, the investments you make, did you hear what she said? The investments that were made in her as a child spoke to her at her darkest seasons. That's why we take children's ministry so seriously around here. And that's why we call dads to do exactly what you're feeling. And um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing ride for you. And, and Katie, you're like helping high school girls. They're helping me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's pretty spectacular that you can take some of the experiences you've had and some of the uh, life-changing moments of Christ and speak into these uh, young ladies' uh, lives. And uh, you're just like a, a ball of energy around uh, this place. I, I, I don't know if you know it or not, but I was standing back a couple weeks ago because I wasn't giving the message, and I watched you. You had some guests come in that you had been working on for a while to get them here. Yeah. And when they came in, let me just say something I love about this lady here. Her heart is just so awesome. But they came in and she greeted them awesomely. And when they walked away, she just burst into tears, just joy that they would perhaps experience just a piece of what Jesus has done in your life, right? Yeah. It's so cool. It's so, yeah. it's so cool. And here you are up here, Kate, telling your story and leading groups. And it's pretty spectacular what God's doing in your life. It's, um, it, it feels like such a privilege because, like I said, for so long, I was believing in a lie that, you know, well, what can you do, or what what good are you going to bring to like? Um, but now, through the confidence of Christ, because in um, of myself, I'm not a confident person. But through the confidence of Christ, um, I see it. I see what God, um, not in like a prideful way, but it's almost like this grateful way. Like That's God, right. thank you for like allowing me um, in my own kids and in my own family and at work and all these other places. Like I get to be used by God, and it's so cool. Yeah, it's such a privilege. Uh, I get that. So a lot of people don't make it in my office. My office is right over there through that door. And right on my door is a sign that says, uh, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Uh, thank you, God, for choosing me. And uh, I'm hearing that same sentiment in each of you, that you're privileged to, to be a part of this. Thank you for sharing so much of your story, for being honest and vulnerable, telling the truth. Um, I will tell you that when I was a young adult starting in my journey, this level of honesty and transparency wasn't available it wasn't celebrated as much as it could have been. And uh, I'm praying that the Lord will not only take your words and encourage you today, but I'm praying that he'll encourage us as well. Would you guys give it up to my friends up here? Great job, guys. So back to the pizza. You uh, separate it to get it cold, right? Comes all together, that heat bends. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to pull you apart. He wants to distract you. He wants to keep you from taking your steps. He wants to speak lies into you. But our God is so much bigger. Our God is so much bigger. The word of God tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The world is the domain of your enemy, but God deals in spiritual things and he speaks truth over lies. He's always present with us. It's an amazing thing that happens. Why don't you grab out your connect card and we'll take a couple steps together as a uh, congregation. 
Hey, it's possible you're sitting here today or watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And this whole idea of freedom that we've been talking about, or even some of the story that you heard today is just foreign to you. But Johnny nailed it when he said the first big step of walking in freedom is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a pretty big step because you have to acknowledge that you need a Savior. God, I can't save myself, so you save me. The Bible says that the way you do that is you trust the work that Jesus did for you versus trust the work that you might try to do for him. So here's what Jesus did. He gave his life on a cross and he was resurrected. The Bible says is if you'll believe that Jesus is Lord, that he's alive, that you can have life with him. It's really that simple. We'd ask you to take your pen and check next step A on your connect card. That was on your seat when you came in. Just check it. In a few minutes when the offering buckets come by, we're going to give you a chance to uh, put it in there. And I'm going to pray with you as well and give you a chance to do some business with God. All right? Or how about next step B today? Today I'm choosing to be baptized. One of my greatest privileges is to celebrate with people like Johnny in the moments of their baptism. All right, next step C says, I'd like to be connected to a group. Each one of these people here are in a small group. Johnny's in Mike's group. Kate was in a freedom group. KD leads a group. It's that pizza metaphor again. It, it's just hotter when we're together. Just easier to stay on fire when we're together. It's the way Christian life has always been transmitted. You have your journey. She has hers. He has his. But we come together. And so even though small group sign up is over, we want to help you get in a group. So if you missed sign up, maybe you wanted to and didn't, you'll check this box. We'll do our best to get you into a group right away, all right? How about next step D? It says, I would like to engage GROW. GROW is our graduated program, four steps, where we take you through some amazing material. Some of you have done step one, some have done step two. If you don't know anything about it, just check the box. We'll send you all the information in your email, and GROW will help you exponentially understand your faith and walk in it. And then finally, next step E says, I'd like to join a team. It's really cool what happens when you link arms with people and you serve, all right? I want you to set aside that Connect card for just a moment. If you call this church home, I'm going to give you a chance to give back to God a portion of what he's blessed you with today. So <clears throat> there's, a, there's a funny little thing that happens with pastors and money. Like every time I, I talk about it, I get this little twinge in my, in my spirit, because I know that the enemy has been so successful to make this an awkward topic to talk about. He's been really successful at making people think there's so much shenanigans and man, there's been way too much. And he's been really successful in telling us that we can never really do anything significant. You know, we need every penny for ourselves. And for some people, he's been really successful at making them just all greedy. But the truth is, is that there's a powerful thing that can happen and we give back to God a portion of what he's blessed us with. The, the Bible makes it pretty clear. I'll, I'll paraphrase it in a sentence I was taught as a kid. You can't outgive God. You can't. And sometimes he gives back in money. Often he gives back in intangible ways. I, I want to be blunt with you today. Today I got a really big paycheck. A really big one. My favorite kind of paycheck. I got it today. I got to hear the stories of the impact that happens from the work of this church. 
And by the way, for every one of you that volunteer around here, you pray for this place, you serve, you give money to make it happen, you got a paycheck today too because you've invested in a place where the Lord regularly shows up and does his profound work. It's all God, but we get to be a part of it. And your money helps make that happen. So thank you. Let's pray about our next steps on our offering right now. We're going to worship a little bit more before we go home. Bow with me. Father, you're such a good God. Thank you that we have this amazing privilege that we get to be a part of what you're doing. We don't have to. Thank you that we get to come together and gather as a family and worship you. We don't have to. Thank you that we get to serve. We get to give time and energy and emotion to good causes, to serving others. We don't have to. And thank you that we get to give, that it really is a joy. It's truly more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you that we get to, that we don't have to. I want to thank you, Lord, for what you've done in Kate and Katie and in Johnny's life. But I know this about you. It's not just about them. It's what you're going to do in each one of our lives, what you are doing. And I look forward, God, to more and more testimonies of your greatness and your goodness at work in our lives, setting people free. Today, Father, take our next steps. Take these offerings that we give and cause them to go far and wide for your glory. And Father, I lift up those men and women in the room today who are listening, whose hearts are being pulled by you. And they're declaring, Jesus, wash away my sins. Lead my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I commit my way to you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, God's strong and holy Son. Amen and amen.